on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. Thanks for joining me for the first ever episode of this podcast. If you're here and listening to this episode, I'm really glad our paths have crossed in whatever capacity. If you're listening to this episode because you're one of my friends and you're supporting me, thanks. Or if you're finding it on your own, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. In today's episode, we're going to dive a little bit into, I have a yoga philosophy concept for you that we're going to dive into and we're going to dive into my story a little bit. It's just going to be me talking to you about my story and how this podcast evolved out of that. And so we'll get right into it. If somebody ever asked you the question, what do you do? How do you answer that question? Or if somebody asks, who are you? I don't think people ask that as much as they ask you know, so what do you do if you just meet somebody new? And so how do you answer that question? You probably usually answer that question with your job title, maybe um, your family references or, or just any other, you know, in Western society, how we conceptualize who we are. It's often, often boiled down to our roles, right? Our roles in, in society. So, so when you answer the question, what do you do? Like, how do you come to that conclusion? How do you craft your identity? And more importantly, why do we hold the beliefs we hold? And how do those beliefs influence our behavior? So the yoga philosophy concept I have for you related to that is darshan. That comes from the Sanskrit word that means sight or vision or appearance. In the Hindu tradition, you know, which comes from the same place, Um, the ancient Vedic philosophy from that sprung forth Hinduism, you know, Buddhism, yoga, Jyotish, lots of the things I'll be talking about on this show. But so in the Hindu tradition, the word darshan refers to beholding of a holy person or a sacred object or some kind of, you know, it could be some kind of brush with the divine or we might call that a God wink, in my opinion, you know, a, a synchronicity, that um, that thing you get, that feeling you get, experience you have when you're on the right path, sort of like your dharma, your darshan. It can also it's it has more of a connotation to it, like schools of thought or viewpoints. It's like your point of view, like what has shaped your point of view, the way you view the world, you know, why you hold the beliefs you hold and how those influence your behavior. So I firmly believe that everyone has a unique perspective and every single person's unique perspective is valuable and it is also intimately related with and colored by their life experiences. So I'm here to share my unique perspective with you and create community around, you know, anybody that that might resonate with. So what better way to do that than with a podcast? So in this episode, we're really going to dig deep into what has shaped my perspective and what that means for this show. So 
I just want to say that with a disclaimer that that parts of your story will always be your truth, but they don't have to be your identity, you know, and that comes with the, the caveat question of are you defined by your ideas, your identities, you know, your roles, or which I think is kind of the idea of practicing yoga and all these other things that, you know, Ayurveda, Vedic astrology that I'll be talking about on this show is to get closer to your true self, that we all have that that Atman, that capital S self, that brush with the divine inside of us. And it doesn't have to be different based on, you know, our other identities with where we were born in the world, etc. So in this show, it's called The Science of Light, right? We're going to use spirituality and science to kind of get at these these topics of holistic health and wellness. So I think it's important to make a distinction between spirituality and religion. So it it kind of has to do with with what I was just talking about with Darshan, you know, your spirituality is that that sense inside yourself, the connection with the divine. Your religion might be more influenced by your darshan, by your your view of the world, where you were born, you know, the the culture that you uh, maybe grew up in or spent most of your life in, that might influence your religion. So I want to make a very clear difference between spirituality and religion. We might investigate that further, but I just want to point out that I know these things are intimately related, but I'm not viewing them as one and the same. So I think, you know, we'll get into this more in this episode that I'm, I'm pretty critical of organized religion just because it has served this function in my life that didn't resonate with me. And I, it left me feeling like religion, organized religion, requires a person to use blind faith to make claims about the nature of reality. And the difference for me with spirituality is that spirituality, it might come from religion or it might lead one to a religion, but it it doesn't require that. It when you experience spirituality, it's something you experience in your own body, in your own being. It's different. It's nobody can tell it to you or give it to you or take it away from you. It's something that you have to cultivate within yourself, right? This spiritual connection, this connection with the divine, right? And and it might you might arrive at it through religious practices, but but they're different. They're not one and the same. And so that's why I like blending science in with it because science does not require you to use any kind of blind faith to make claims about the nature of reality. And in fact, in the scientific community, we're always trying to arrive at new conclusions and, you know, rethink our old conclusions about the nature of reality and, you know, kind of have a method and a process at arriving at that. So I think the two go beautifully hand in hand in my experience, science and spirituality. But I think it's important to mention that, you know, there are dimensions of wellness. And depending on which model you look at, there's like seven or eight. They're like, you know, physical, environmental, emotional, 
um, financial, things like that. Spiritual wellness is one of them. And that can come from religion or it can come from something else. So I'm not here to bash religion, you know, related to those dimensions of wellness. Organized religion communities provide several dimensions of wellness for some people. They provide uh, you know, community, a sense of oneness. They provide that spiritual wellness. Sometimes they can provide even more than that. You know, there are religions that do charity and can provide like environmental wellness to people, financial wellness. So I'm not here to bash religion. I'm just saying the approach I take is more one of a spiritual approach. And I hope that it can work for many people despite or in addition to their organized religion if or lack thereof so yoga I actually have heard whisperings in the yoga teacher community lately about debates of if yoga is a religion or a spiritual practice and I think I think it's important to acknowledge that it is very intimately intertwined with Hinduism they come from the same ancient texts but just for the purpose of this show, all you need to know is that I approach yoga philosophy as a spirituality. You know, it's sort of intimately related with a religion. And there can be arguments I've seen for yoga being a religion. But nonetheless, I gave myself permission. I give you permission to take what resonates with you and... By resonates with you, I mean like something that you can really experience in your own body, in your own mind, in your own being, and explore spirituality from that standpoint and just leave the rest that doesn't work with you. So that's all to say, you know, we're all doing the best we can with our current awareness. That's something my dad always said. Um, I grew up in the Bible Belt with a father in recovery. Um, So I grew up kind of immersed in Southern Baptist religion as well as Episcopalian religion. So both, both forms, two different, very different forms of Christianity. My mom sometimes called Episcopalians basement Catholics or Catholics that allow divorce. And, you know, so my family was Episcopalian. My best friend growing up was Southern Baptist. So I would go to church with my family on this, on Sundays and do the, the Latin chanting and the communion with the wine. And I would go on Wednesday nights to, to a very, not, not super fundamentalist, anyway, a, a Southern Baptist church, which served a great purpose in my life. I was able to do Christmas plays. It was super fun, play with other kids. The community aspect was great. Um, and so then, then my dad was in recovery or still is in recovery, has been for a long time and had been at the time since, you know, before he even met my mom. And so he had raised us with, I didn't even know most of the time at the time that they were like, AA sayings, Alcoholics Anonymous sayings. We were kind of raised, immersed in that philosophy. And so also like 
to fast forward, I'm now in recovery myself. You know, I had my own battle and struggles with addiction. Um, I'm an engineering school dropout. You know, it was yoga that helped me kind of overcome that that dark place I found myself in with with addiction. So I I tend to craft my identity now more around, you know, being a yoga teacher, being a yogi, yogini, than I do around being in recovery. You know, I'll get kind of more into that. I don't really, or, you know, now I'm kind of indifferent, but in my early recovery, I didn't really resonate much with, um, with the anonymous, you know, in AAA type philosophies that felt really fatalistic to me. So I actually hope to investigate that some on this show, investigate, you know, I hope to interview some people that, that I admire that maybe in recovery or have some sort of program that's, that's not AA. And I'm not also not trying to bash AA, just, just like I'm not trying to bash organized religion because, because it saves a lot of lives. It saved my dad's life, you know, in a, I know people that, that wouldn't be alive if it weren't for a 12 step program. And also I am certified to teach Y12 SR yoga of 12 step recovery, which if you don't know is this beautiful program that exists that was uh, founded by Nikki Myers, who I also consider one of my teachers, one of my gurus, um, that beautifully blends 12-step program philosophy with yoga philosophy. So they're both spiritual programs. Like they, they both have things in common and lots of parallels, lots of things that can um, be blended and mesh really well together. So, you know, I'm not currently teaching those classes, but I do highly see the value in in 12-step programs and 12-step philosophy um, and for the people whose lives that that fits beautifully into, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, it just it just didn't fit into mine. So I guess we'll kind of start to get into that. I don't always want to make these episodes just talking about myself, but this is the first episode. We're doing it a little bit different. I want you to to know my story so you know why I approach things the way that I do and why I believe, you know, what's my darshan? Why, why do I believe the things I do and, and how have those beliefs influenced my behavior, a.k.a. starting this podcast? It was totally a natural progression of my story. So I, you know, I was saying I grew up Christian, right? I, I went to a Christian school for a while and it was actually the Christian school that was just a little over the top for me and kind of turned me away from from organized religion and it might have also been a little bit of that teenage angst like rebelling against what I was raised with right you know I was like screw this stuff like I'm sick of it anyway so I the the Christian school is kind of like what turned me off from religion I ended up going you know to public school for for middle and high school and of course like like many people that find themselves in recovery or identify as addicts or alcoholics, my high school years were marked with being a good girl, a good student, you know, but I also 
had a tendency to party a lot. I had this reputation as like a pothead. Um, but I also, in high school, I found yoga. I used to actually, I would like smoke weed with my best friend in high school and we'd go to the gym and just like work out or whatever. And we went to this local gym in the town, actually bigger town. I grew up in a super small town, little podunk North Carolina town. Um, we would go to the next town over to the gym and there were these yoga classes there. And the yoga teacher, I still remember her. I actually, my path crossed again with her later. It was amazing, amazing story. But, um, we called her Tinkerbell because she was about five feet tall, you know, maybe five, two, but she was so strong and so amazing. And also just so down to earth. And she was just this little like flower fairy of beastie strength. And I just, I still have this image of her in my mind, maybe even putting her on a pedestal because she is a human. Um, we, we just loved her. We called her Tinkerbell because she was like this feisty flower fairy, you know, like Tinkerbell is. And, um, so I, I just remember that was always my image of like yoga teachers. And I was like, that's what I want to embody. I want to be like that. Right. You know, when I was in high school, if I could have had, you know, my dream at the time, I would have just, uh, gone to college and got some kind of like exercise science degree and done my yoga teacher training and just gone down that path. But I felt really propelled, um, by my family because also because I was in, like, I took all the smart classes, like AP calculus and physics. And I had this super awesome physics teacher in high school and my calculus teacher. She was great too. Um, that really influenced me to kind of go down the engineering path. I was like, okay, you know, my family would be like impressed by that. You know, it was for other people mainly. I was like, I'd be good at this. Um, but that's, it's what I felt like I was supposed to do was go to engineering school rather than pursue my real dream, which was yoga teaching, which it's funny how things come full circle because I ended up, you know, I started out at one school thinking I was going to do one thing and then I transferred to go to engineering school and years later I ended up doing almost exactly what I had wanted to do in high school. I came full circle back to that, to getting a health and wellness promotion degree to kind of mesh well with my my yoga teaching, you know, combining the Eastern and Western philosophies. So I go to engineering school, right? And meanwhile, I'm in this like not very good relationship. I was dating this guy who was like in the Marine Corps and then he got hooked on pills, pain pills. And then like to make a long story short, I ended up you know, we would fight about it, fight about it, and I ended up becoming desensitized to it, eventually trying it myself, and then becoming hooked on the pain pills myself. And I became an IV opiate user, you know, kind of a a victim of this opiate epidemic, opioid epidemic that we are have seen a lot in the last decade and are still seeing in the United States. Um, I was a part of that, one of those statistics, I guess I did, you know, so I was addicted to opiates in engineering school. Um, I was like kind of miserable because of the relationship and the codependency and all this stuff. I was just kind of like 
a little girl, really, you know, I was like, that's where I found myself. And so I, I ended up having to go to a long-term, you know, inpatient rehab, a two-year rehab I went to because I got arrested. My family was like super done with me, you know, and I found myself in jail. Uh, this was like 2015, so five years ago now. I was going to an inpatient rehab in the mountains in Asheville. That's actually, you know, part of how I found my way to, I, I live in the Asheville area now. It's part of how I found my way there. I went to, um, you know, I'm like in jail and my mom, who I have completely shot upon multiple times, is like, if you want to get back in the good graces of the family, you're going to go to this two-year program. And the good news is if you go there and stay, your charges will get dropped. Um, lucky for me, I had a mom that figured that out for me. Um, so I did. So I went to this long-term program. It's very like work centered program. I stayed there for close to a year. I ended up leaving. Um, and I, my family, I had my family's blessing. They were like, you've been doing great. We're proud of you. Like we, we understand your decision to leave this program. I, I left the program, moved back in with my mom in the Raleigh area. I stayed clean for a little while. I started, you know, I left there. It was like April and I got myself back into school. I was like, I'm going to try engineering school again and I'm going to do it this time. I'm clean. I'm ready to like conquer my future, you know, and I relapsed in my very first semester back. So 2016 now, fall of 2016, I relapsed after over a year clean um, because I just didn't have the coping skills. I didn't. Um, I All I knew was, like, work a lot. And I, you know, my work ethic was on point. I was in engineering school. I had a job, you know. And it was actually that, like, still working so much that I was, like, shoving things down. I didn't have the coping skills. And so in that relapse, it was short-lived. It was only, like, a month or so that I was, like, relapsed. Um, but they often say in the programs, you know, I'm s still steeped in this NA and AA philosophy, even though that's not really like my program now, they say like, um, when, when you relapse that you get right back where you were like 10 times faster every time. And so I relapsed and caught a charge like almost immediately and so I caught a charge actually with, with a friend of mine whose mom happened to own a house in the Asheville area. And so I got this charge and my mom did her thing again. She's a lawyer. She worked her magic and was like, go to this outpatient program and it's like drug court and you can get your charge dropped, right? So I did that. Lucky for me, you know, white privilege, right? Like I have a mom that's a lawyer and, you know, drug court options do exist. But anyway, I'm a little white girl, so I got to do drug court, lucky me, and go to this outpatient program in Raleigh and for my charge. And But that's the reason I was going. Like, I wasn't going really so much because I want – I did want to. Like, I I didn't lose my house or anything or, like, um, end up homeless in the hospital like I did before. Actually, I did end up in the hospital. So, anyway, so – I, I wanted to, I was like, I don't want to 
die. I don't want to go down this path like I was before. I was like, it was so awful. Like, help me. You know, I moved back in with my mom, did the outpatient program, you know, from my apartment I was living in, in Raleigh, you know, dropped out of state again for, it was actually the third time I dropped out of the engineering school. Um, so, and I, so I dropped out and I went to this outpatient program, um, and the good thing about the outpatient program I found was, so it was a great, it was a really good program in Raleigh, and also, I think the fact that I had to be in my environment, you know, it was in Raleigh, which was, like, where I used, kind of, like, so the fact that I had to be in my environment and working, I had a job, you know, I kept the same job, in fact, and I moved back in with my mom because I was like, I need the accountability, you know, it was not because I lost my place, anyway, it doesn't matter, I wanted the accountability, I moved back in with my mom, lucky for me, I had the option to do that, moving with my mom, and I was, so, at, like, 23, 22, I was 22, living with my mom again, dropping out of engineering school, it's not, like, a great time in my life, um, but, so, meanwhile, I found myself, my mom got our family a little membership at the YMCA, and so I would go, to Raleigh to my um, IOP, my intensive outpatient program, and I would go to the gym and I started doing yoga again at the gym. So clearly like gym yoga has always had this special place in my heart because it's where I found yoga the first time. It's where I found yoga again when I was in this like dark place in my life. And so I was working, I was going to IOP and I started doing yoga again. And then I got this bright idea, like, so, okay, I'm dropped out of engineering school. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Do I want to put my head down and go back to engineering school and try it again? Like, no, that's made me really miserable for the last few years at this point. And so I was like, nah, don't think I'm going to do that. Well, what have I always wanted to do? Well, I figure out what I'm going to do because I didn't want to let my – I was like 30 credits away from a degree, so I didn't want to let that go to waste. I didn't want my credits to expire, but I also didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'm a huge proponent of like, if you don't have a big reason to get a degree, don't, you know, wait until that reason kind of elucidates itself for you because that's what happened for me. You know, I was like miserable when I was trying to do this thing, get this degree because it would impress my family or it was what I was supposed to do, what I should do, you know, so... I was like, well, meanwhile, I'll just, you know, because I'm living with my mom and working and I have this lucky position I found myself in, I will go to yoga teacher teacher training. So I saved up like the $3,000 it costs or whatever to, I started working on that while I was in the outpatient. The outpatient was only like three months, you know, it was like three times a week or something for three months. And I did it. I got the charge dropped and, um... And I continued doing yoga, continued working at the restaurant I was working in. And meanwhile, I started dating, who is now my fiancé, who I have a child with. His name is Scott. He's lovely. Um, So I was like, started kind of dating Scott. Um, Scott is best friends, or was best friends with this friend I was talking about that I got the charge with, whose mom had a place in Asheville. So, or in the Asheville area. Anyway, 
So he was, they were in the process of getting clean at the same time that I was at the time, you know, so this is late 2016, early 2017, like going into, it's like November going into, um, 2017 when I was doing the outpatient, I think I finished it in like January of 2017 and I signed up, I was all registered and signed up for my yoga teacher training by like March or April. I paid for it, um, and signed up for it to start in late 2017. And so I was dating Scott. Scott had just moved to Asheville to get clean with Chuck, you know, um, because Chuck and I caught that charge together and Chuck's mom was like, you need to get out of here and get your head straight, go to the mountains, whatever, you know. So that's kind of how, and because I had been to that inpatient rehab up here, I, like, love this area, the mountains, Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. It's a beautiful area. It's, like, four hours away from Raleigh. So I was like, that'll be good for me. You know, that's why. So I was starting to date Scott. Um, and so that's a large part of the reason why I chose my yoga teacher training up here. You know, there's some good programs in Raleigh I could have done. But I, I chose Asheville. I was going to – I signed up for this, like, immersion program. It was, like, three weeks, you know. And I was going to go and just do it. But then so as the year of 2017 was unfolding, I ended up, Scott and I had this conversation very early on in our relationship, this kind of like, are we doing this or not conversation. He, I remember he said to me, you know, my next is going to be like who I have like a wife and kids with. And if you don't want that, um, let me just cut my losses right now because, you know, I was kind of, like, not sure about being in a relationship and early recovery. I actually, like, don't recommend it. And, like, most people don't getting in a relationship, especially with somebody that you know from doing drugs. We're, like, an anomaly. Our relationship is totally an anomaly. I don't recommend it. I'm not, like, trying to tell you to start dating somebody. Um, but it's worked out for us. So uh, we had that conversation, and I was like, all right, we're fucking doing this, okay? And And we are. You know, here we are almost four years later. We're doing the thing. And we're still together. We're engaged. We have a beautiful child together. And we're doing it. And so so that kind of unfolded. And I ended up deciding, like, Scott and I had been together for, like, three months when I decided to move to Asheville. Um, I was originally just going to go and do my little three-week immersion yoga teacher training and, like, kind of figure that out. Um, but then, so when I decided to move to Asheville, I got a job cleaning houses in Asheville. And I really liked that company I worked for. It was great. So I ended up switching because I didn't want to quit my, my little new, like it was actually like an eight to three job, seven thirty to three instead of nine to five, you know? So that was great. I started doing that after waiting tables, which let me tell you as a person in recovery, how good that was for my mental health to have that kind of more normal circadian rhythm. Um, around working, like, normal people hours. It was good for my relationship with Scott because we weren't, like, because um, he works, you know, normal hours, not uh, serving hours. And so that that worked really well for me to switch to this cleaning houses job um, from waiting tables. And so I switched my training, actually, from the immersion to one that met on the weekends so that I could keep my job. And then the year kind of unfolded so that... I ended up quitting that job anyway to go on this big epic trip with my family and Scott. And that was 
worth it. So when I came back, I started my own cleaning business. I found like clients through word of mouth, through Craigslist, whatever. And I just started doing it. I was like, Scott was an entrepreneur. His story is actually amazing. I hope to interview him about being an entrepreneur in recovery in an upcoming episode soon. So stay tuned for more about that. But he really encouraged me. He was like, you can do it. Like you can run your own cleaning business. So I did. And, um, did my yoga teacher training. And I also, meanwhile, found Y12SR, the yoga of 12 step recovery. I got certified in that. I got my 200 hour yoga teacher training. And after that, after I finished that, I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to go back to school for UNC Asheville, where I live, you know, in Asheville has this program called health and wellness promotion. So I decided to go back to school for that, finish up my degree. As it turns out, they are a way more liberal, liberal arts school than the engineering school, which is also in the, you know, same universe, public university system in North Carolina that I was going to. But so they required all these more like liberal arts classes, which in retrospect, I wasn't happy about having like, you know, more than a semester's worth of like extra stuff to take that I didn't like think I needed. But in retrospect, it was the liberal arts education was like good. It was awesome. Um, and actually was helped conceptualize this podcast. So thanks UNC Asheville. Um, thanks health and wellness promotion department shouts to y'all. So, so I went back to school. I put my head down for a couple of years, 2018 to, I just graduated like a month ago with my degree. Um, and so, so I got that degree and, and I did it because I wanted to pair science. I wanted to learn, I wanted to take anatomy classes and I wanted to take like physiology and learn science topics that would propel me and make me a better yoga teacher. That was the idea behind getting that degree. Um, and so I did. And meanwhile I did, I, like accidentally stumbled upon an undergraduate research, like research methods class. I just took it because I like needed an elective or something. And I liked the professor that was teaching it. And because I never envisioned myself to be like a person that did research, but now I'm a total research dork. I love it. I'm like glad I found myself there. And so that helped me conceptualize this undergraduate research project I did on yoga for trauma. And actually, in fact, um, this year was the year I was completing that. Um, so it got kind of got derailed by COVID restrictions. So anyway, to make that long story short, I'm going to continue working on with my same research advisor on doing research around trauma-informed yoga and, and why yoga is so good for people that have experienced trauma, you know, like a lot of us people in recovery have. And, and not even, you know, you don't even have to be in recovery for this to be relevant. Um, that's just part of my story. And I've been kind of quiet about that part of my story for a while because like, um, like I was mentioning earlier, I didn't really resonate with the, the mindset of like, I'm going to be an addict forever. You know, like I'm not like passages Malibu, like as a joke in the recovery world of like thinking I'm cured, you know, that's why, why I still practice yoga because I know a yoga a day keeps the crazy away for me. Um, like I need that constant practice and it parallels a lot with the 
you know, 12 step program mentality, but I just didn't at the time in my early recovery resonate with, I was like, I don't, um, I don't like viewing myself that way. Like with this mentality that like, I'm always going to be an addict. And I actually for a while, like didn't include that in my, you know, if somebody were to ask me who I am, I wouldn't have brought that up. And I don't think that, you know, there's, there's one thing where it's like you're stuffing it down to not, um, because you're ashamed of it. And, but you know, it's also part of the anonymous. I was like, I don't need to just like tell everybody, you know, but now I'm at this point in my life where I'm like, I kind of should speak on it. You know, I've, from everything I've learned, I should speak on that part of my story because the whole like reason I did my undergraduate degree and I've been propelled on this path is because I want to understand why yoga helped me overcome addiction, you know, but that has relevance to lots of other struggles that people might experience. Why, why yoga helps a person resolve or come to terms with or heal from their trauma they've experienced in life. And I, so when I teach classes actually in, in a long-term treatment facility, not the one I went to, but a different one in the area. There's lots, Asheville's a great place for recovery. Lots of people in recovery here. Um, So I teach these classes, yoga classes at another treatment facility. And I always tell them like, you know, usually drug addicts, you know, I've learned all this stuff about why yoga is good for trauma and this is why, Um, and usually drug addicts have experienced some kind of trauma that led them into that, or you definitely, while you were using, experienced some trauma. And so the idea is that that disconnects you from your, from your body, from your emotions, um, from your sensations and yoga means union. It brings you back into that oneness with your mind, body, and spirit. So, um, So that's a big piece of this podcast, but as you may know, this podcast is called The Science of Light, and I got that name from the Sanskrit word Jyotish, which is the Sanskrit word for Vedic astrology. Um, So so Vedic astrology, I'm just, I would consider myself like an intermediate Vedic astrologer. I would say I'm like just past being a beginner with it. I actually now have a mentor, a teacher, um, that's helping me. I'll become certified, you know, because in in the Western society, like we like certificates. So I will become certified very in the very near future as a Vedic astrologer, um, for what that's worth. But astrology, you know, was always this thing that I found to be like fun. Like I grew up reading my horoscope in the newspaper, you know, Um, and whatever I had, I always had like an app, like a daily horoscope app. I signed up for like the daily ohms horoscope, you know, they email me every day. Um, and then when I found like in my yoga teacher training, one of the, one of the teachers told us about the fact that yoga has its own system of astrology and it's actually, it's, it overlaps. Like there are similar concepts to Western astrology, which is, you know, if you, read your horoscope in the newspaper in the United States. It's Western astrology. It's like your sun sign. When people say, what's your sign? 
they mean your sun sign. That's Western astrology. And so when I found out that yoga philosophy, you know, the ancient text, the Vedic text, the Vedas, um, had a system of astrology, I immediately like was like, okay, I have to learn that because, um, it's, to me, it's like a, a part of cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation, you know, that kind of sense in me that like, if I want to stay true to like the essence of yoga, I need to learn about the yoga system, the system that, you know, Vedic astrology. Um, and so, so I wanted to learn about Vedic astrology over Western astrology, but um, I know I now have learned since that Vedic astrology actually uses a completely different zodiac called the sidereal zodiac, sidereal zodiac, as opposed to the tropical zodiac that Western astrology uses, and it's almost a whole entire sign off. So that throws a lot of people off. They're like, "Oh, like I've identified as a Capricorn sun like my whole life, and now you're telling me that I'm a Sagittarius." Like uh, that that turns some people off already because they've you know they're Darshan, they've identified themselves as a cap or as, yeah, as a Capricorn or whatever their sun sign. But then, so first of all, Vedic astrology looks more at your ascendant, your moon sign than your sun sign anyway, um, to use in the same purposes that, um, when somebody asks your sign in Western astrology, they mean your sun sign, but in, in Vedic astrology, when somebody asks your sign, they mean your ascendant or your rising sign. Um, and so for me, it was an easy switch to make because in uh, Western astrology, my sun sign is Aquarius and I'm a Pisces moon and Pisces rising. And then in Vedic astrology, I'm actually a Capricorn sun. So see, it's like a whole degree off, which actually means it's, it's closer to astronomically accurate. It's still not quite right on. It's still a couple of degrees off from like actual astronomy, which I don't really understand, but Maybe I will one day, but so the system uses the sidereal zodiac. Um, it's almost a whole sign off, but I'm a Capricorn sun in Vedic astrology, but then I'm an Aquarius moon and rising. So for me, it wasn't like this big identity shift. You know, I was like, I was an Aquarius in Western and I'm still an Aquarius in, in Vedic astrology. So I was like, you know, I guess I'm just Aquarius to the max, um, which, you know, I think in some ways I am. So with that um, in mind, that piece of the sidereal zodiac being more um, astronomically accurate, that was another piece. Like, So there's that whole, like, if I'm going to call myself a yoga teacher, and now that I know that yoga has its own system, I, I would feel weird. I can't unknow that. I Now I'm like, okay, I have to learn this new system because um, I really like it. I approach it as a tool, as, so, like, psychology would call it a sense-making tool, right? Um, so some people use astrology as a form of divination, and I enjoy listening to people that do that. I have a couple, you know, a couple of my favorite teachers. I'll just go ahead and shout them out because you will probably like listening to them, too. Um, Christine Rodriguez with Astrology Now podcast. She's, like, how I really took a deep dive this year into Vedic astrology, and then also... Jeremy Devins does a quiet mind astrology. I like both of those. I like their interpretations. Um, uh, their 
interpretation is what they do and they, they teach it really well. I like what they do. So that actually kind of influenced me. You know, I guess imitation is the highest form of flattery if either of you listen to this. I hope, you know, I hope that's the view you take of me starting a podcast. Is, um, so, so I approach it more, maybe just because of where I am in my learning journey, I approach Vedic astrology as more of a sense-making tool about like who I am, you know, my birth chart, where I've, where I came from, um, and kind of like maybe what I'm going through in the present. I a little bit look forward to the future, like with planets, but I, I like to stay in the realm of using it as a tool for introspection, introspection or svadhyaya to use the yoga philosophy term, the self-study. Um, that's how I approach it. So sticking with my want to be evidence-based, scientifically organized, you know, that's, that's how I arrived at that. You know, that's my darshan. That's the schools of thought I use to approach life. That's my viewpoint. Um, that's, that's what's colored my unique perspective, like, you know, lots of things, but I hit the highlights here in this episode, you know, my, my engineering background, you know, made me really process oriented. And then I switched gears and kind of became super immersed in social sciences, like the research I did. It was, it was still quantitative, meaning like we used, um, assessments to like quantify rather than qualitative where you like ask people for their statements and then you have to like code and get themes. And, um, so I still, even for a social science kind of research, my engineering background, I guess, made me wanted to make it qualitative or quantitative research. Um, but then through some other classes I took, I, I gained a lot of experience with both quantitative and qualitative research. So I think that like just really pairs well with science and spirituality, right? Like we need both. We need like the hard and soft sciences, the, the yin and yang, the dark and light, the, the things that we know and the things that we feel, right? We need that. We need that mind, body, spirit connection. And to me, that comes from blending science and spirituality. Um, so yeah, so that's why I chose the name roundabout story of why I chose the name science of light for this podcast because um first of all like I have experienced some darkness and still do sometimes battle with with the darkness you know that I find inside of me um and I like to have evidence-based approaches to stay in the light right um and for me that involves a lot of yoga philosophy Vedic astrology, you know, Ayurveda, my spiritual pursuits, but then also like the latest scientific research on like wellness and mental health. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence, you know, scientific evidence for mindfulness practices, right? And I'm um, with my, I'm doing a yoga therapy training. I'm in training to become a yoga therapist. And I'm also soon to be a 500 hour yoga teacher and doing this Vedic astrology certification, you know, I'm like, I'm propelling myself down both paths because these things color 
my darshan, right? My point of view. And that's just, that's who I am. That's how I identify myself in the world, which is still like my roles, right? My roles in the world is like, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a mom. I have a fiance, you know, um, these things. And so, so you'll be hearing from me on this podcast and I will sometimes be interviewing people who, um, who I think add a valuable darshan to our discussion, right? They add a valuable point of view, whether their point of view is like their life experiences, you know, their personal story, because stories are sacred, stories are important, or maybe it's their professional experience, you know, or maybe it's both. Because, as we know, sometimes these things are very interrelated. You know, if you're like me, you go down the career path you're on because of your life experiences. And some people don't, you know, that's cool. Um, it's, But it's all, everyone has their own unique perspective. And I just want to, like, create a ripple effect of people brightening their respective corners of the world. You know, we want to stay in the light. We want to use evidence pra- evidence-based practices that work, you know, and we want to keep expanding and directing our awareness in constructive ways and always keep growing and learning, right? You know, I hold this belief that uh, I want to create, leave a positive impact on the world and, and what's the best way to do that but to brighten my own corner and hope that I am inspire or influence somebody else to then go out and and brighten their own corner because if all of us were doing that you know the world would be a much brighter place right so that's my goal and I hope to influence you to make it your goal to to just embody light you know be the light stay in the light you know and I recognize that it's hard like I don't want to get into that toxic positivity realm We'll, we'll talk about that some more too. But so I hope, it is my sincerest hope that with every episode of this show, it adds value to your life, whether it's just inspiring, listening to the conversation, listening to the story. Um, but then I also hope that you learn something. So I hope to leave you with some actionable component, some thing that you can apply to your life related to the conversation, related to the yoga philosophy piece I'll bring in or hoped it's, you know, some interviews might not lend themselves as well to, like, a concrete yoga philosophy piece as, like, this episode did, you know, Darshan. But so I hope to leave you with something you can do, like a journal prompt or an exercise or a habit to cultivate, a book to read, you know, a podcast to listen to, a thought leader to follow, you know, something that adds value to your life and ultimately helps you keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, like with Vedic astrology, and stay in the light. So for this episode, I'd like to leave you with the journal prompt or something to meditate on, kind of these questions I started the episode with, right? So with the caveat, disclaimer, that parts of your story may always be your, they will always be your truth. You know, where you fall in the world that will always be your truth. Like for me, I can distance myself from growing up religious or being an addict. Like I can not identify that way, but um, but it, it'll always be my truth. It doesn't have to be my identity, right? So, so 
with the big overarching question of are you defined by your ideas? You know, so if you want to journal about that or meditate on it, you might start by asking yourself how you answer the question, what do you do? And just get all that out of the way. Like, you know, all your roles, how you answer the question, what do you do? Then maybe start to investigate how you would answer the question, who you are, you know, how your identity is crafted. Why do you hold the beliefs that you hold? And how do those beliefs influence your behavior? And if that's, you know, if you find that you like what you come up with, that's the good thing about journaling is, like, you don't have to like what you come up with. Um, it can be a jumping off point for you to start, you know, changing the ways in which your beliefs influence your behavior. Maybe. Maybe not. So... If you made it this far, I'm really glad that you're still listening. I'm really glad that you've joined me for this show. I have a lot of awesome guests and topics in store for you. So I encourage you to hit that subscribe button, turn on new episode notifications. And if you liked what you heard, you know, um, send or write me a review. I think those help. I don't know. I like, I guess that's the thing to do. Write me a review on your your podcast outlet, um, or if you have some feedback, I'm open to hearing it. You can find me on Instagram at yogiscopes. That's like Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S, yogiscopes. Um, you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook at yogiscopes with Rosemary. Uh, just search it up. And I am always open to connecting with you. I would love to connect with you. Send me a message, whatever. And hit subscribe, and then remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light.